0: You are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with a different co-host this week. Uh, I got David with me we're going to go over some of the more MLB negotiations that happened this week. Um, talk about the cover athlete for the show 2022, and then we'll dive into the AL East division breakdown. But before we jump into all of that, let's bring in David and let you kind of meet him this week. So how you doing, David?
1: I'm doing good. I know you guys are missing Matt, but I'm here to fill in. I've been begging to fill in a, a while now, you know, I'm good friends with Matt and Damien and, um, at least I get a chance to, you know, show my chops, show what I got. Maybe they'll have me on again sometime soon.
0: Yeah. So Matt's a little bit busy this week and, uh, I didn't, couldn't really do it this, uh, you know, later on in the week. So I decided to have David on for this episode, even though he's not going to be able to talk about his Cubs this week. I know he was hoping for the, uh, NL central breakdown, but we're going to have to, uh, you know, hopefully you'll have enough Braves talk like Matt, Matt usually does on the episodes.
1: Yeah, no, I'll, I'll try to, uh... Keep the Braves talk to just the Braves section here, and then, uh, you know, I'll I'll squeeze the Cubs in where I can in honor of Matt. All right. Well, let's go ahead and
0: jump into kind of like the uh, talking about the negotiations between the players and the owners that we had um, today. Didn't seem like it was a very productive meeting. It was kind of pretty heated from both sides. Neither side was really budging. Uh, I know the players made a couple more little tiny concessions, but didn't seem to be too encouraging after uh, it was a little bit more encouraging last week. Uh, they did say that they're going to meet tomorrow, but more on like non-core economic things, just kind of help the little things get get finished.
1: Yeah, this isn't this isn't a good situation for us baseball fans and uh, podcasters and everything else. There's not a whole lot to talk about because the off season still has to have half a a free agency period, uh, as well as any trades and and then all of spring training, and you know they're look they're saying delays are looking really likely. So, you know, it just seems like, you know, the players are bringing their offer down $5 million. So they're pretty set in what they want in terms of arbitration bonuses. Uh, And the owners are obviously nowhere close. Otherwise, you know, something would have been agreed on by now. But it sure seems like these, you know, they're just so far apart. I I don't know when we're going to get back to baseball.
0: Yeah, and it was something like the owners I saw that they decided that, you know, Last week, when the uh, they had mentioned the like top thirty players with war or whatever, they it seems like they have heard or I've, if I've heard right um, that they had dropped that down to like twenty or even fifteen in their proposal again. So I'm not sure that made the players too happy either.
1: Yeah, the owners are taking away um, concessions to the players and, and actually like making it more difficult uh, to for the players to get you know the bonuses that they want and the the compensation they're looking for. It's it's like we're going backwards in terms of negotiation. I'm I'm getting worried that um, not only are we going to miss spring training games, but we're going to miss like regular season games this year, which would be a real bummer. Given how that off season kind of went with that artificial deadline before the the cap, it was really exciting. A lot of flurry of moves, you know, and and then coming into this deadline, it's just really taken the wind out of the sails of baseball. I think in general.
0: Yeah, it really has. And the, I think the sad part is that the players seem to be legit making concessions and the owners are just standing still and like, well, if you're going to keep making concessions and we're just going to stand still until you reach the point where we want you to be anyways. So hopefully that's not you know going to be the move moving forward, but it doesn't seem likely at this point. But well, uh, we'll go ahead and ju- jump on to the next little bit of news. MLB The Show 2022, the video game. Um, did announce that Shohei Ohtani will be their cover athlete this year.
1: I think that's perfect. I think the worst part about this is that they added the W. Uh, They said the show in the traditional spelling and not the SHO 22, which I think is a missed opportunity uh, for allowing Shohei Ohtani to really take it over because he is absolutely deserving uh, best athlete in the game of baseball right now.
0: Yeah, and what it kind of does is it just kind of wraps up you know, I guess the, I know it's for 2022, but it kind of just wraps up the year that, you know, Shohei had this past year, Um, you know, becoming the dominant force on both sides of the baseball, having the MVP year, and then just being, you know, kind of the face of MLB for a lot of people around the world. Uh, You know, we have a a lot of great local, you know, or United States stars, but, you know, to be able to to push the game over more to Japan and, and you know, be able to sell more copies of the video game. Even that's, you know, putting Otani on the cover is definitely going to help you do that.
1: He, he is what I would describe right now as the face of baseball. You know, we've, we've talked a long time about like Mike Trout not getting the recognition, uh, as the face of baseball as the best player in baseball. And Otani coming in and, you know, performing at a near Mike Trout level on offense while being a star pitcher, uh, you know th- that makes him the kind of face of baseball that Mike Trout seems to never have been. I mean, Trout's never been on the cover of the show, and like yeah, he, yeah. And, and like Otani is is on there as a hitter, but he's also on there as a pitcher. And and we talked about it a couple of nights ago, but there hasn't been a pitcher on the cover of the show until this year.
0: Yeah, that was one of the most shocking things. Um, you know, I had I had thought back in like 14 when Puig was on the cover, I thought it was going to be Kershaw because of the way they had it. But, you know, like you said, there had never been a pitcher, which had been really shocking to me, especially after all the dominant seasons we've had from the guys like Kershaw, Verlander, Scherzer. I mean, even what Jacob deGrom's done the past couple of years. And they've kind of worked their way around it this year. I mean, he's kind of on there as a pitcher, but like in the background, and he's still more known as you know on the on the front as the hitter, um, so it, it would be cool to see a a you know full time starter potentially get that one day. But you're absolutely right. I mean, Otani, we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast. He absolutely has kind of transcended to become the face of baseball, um, you know, around the world, not just here in the United States. Which is it's really cool to see, and he's just a tremendous talent. So hopefully, he's able to uh, you know he's able to stay healthy and, and continue this.
1: Yeah, he's he's what baseball needs especially coming out of a lockout, you know, the opportunity to see him try to go again, you know, repeat the MVP level year that he had. Um that'll be one of the prime stories in spring training, you know, how's he pitching? How's he looking as a hitter? Um he'll be probably the the main focus I think of the casual baseball fan going into spring. Yeah, which is will
0: be uh hopefully we get spring so we can see <laughs> that. But Uh, You know, let's go ahead and jump over to the AL East division breakdown um, and go through this. We're going to start with the Atlanta Braves, who finished the season at 88-73, winning the division. Um, You know, their offseason is a little incomplete because of the lockout so far, so they have a bunch of losses. Um, You know, they've lost Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, um, Drew Smiley, Eddie Rosario, Freddie Freeman, Chris Martin, Jesse Chavez, Johan Camargo. Uh, Richard Rodriguez uh, and then if you've looked who they've added so far there's Darren O'Day and Kirby Yates. Hmm.
1: Manny Pena too I think Manny Pena is a, non, like a non-insignificant like a non ad at catcher but yeah no this is the the defending World Series champs right here and you know I think one of the things you talk about is like a win now team right you, you know we want to win now well the Braves just won now um, and they got all their young players kind of at the major league level about to start earning arbitration. Um, you know, it's a, and, and they've got Albies and Acuna under control for a long time, but Acuna will be out for half the year this year. They're in a really weird place. And if they can tread water until the deadline, I don't see why they can't make a similar deadline push, you know, to grab a couple more bats like they did at the deadline this last year, which ended up winning them the World Series. Bullpen looks great. Starting rotation looks great. I mean, Max Fried, Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, that's a, deadly one, two, three, and it was really good in the playoffs last year. You know, they got a great bullpen. I I just don't see why the Braves can't go back and win this division again right now, but I think there's definitely more question marks this year than there were last year coming in at this point.
0: Yeah, and uh, I had said AL East, by the way. This is definitely the NL East, uh, so sorry about that. But, yeah, I mean, the the big thing for the Braves is going to be how do they respond after the lockout, you know? there's been a lot of talk between they don't want to offer Freddie Freeman the sixth year, or they don't want to go to, you know, the $120 million mark where he wants to go. Um, so that, that's something that, you know, really they need to figure out after it, it's hard to see Freddie Freeman playing anywhere else, except Atlanta, any, being in any other uniform except that Braves uniform. Uh, so that's something that they're definitely going to have to figure out. Uh, get Ronald healthy is another thing, you know, Ronald Acuna after he tours ACL, um, you know, about mid season, get him healthy. He seems to be on track. Uh, And then, you know, maybe find some, some, an outfielder. I I, I don't know right now. I think their everyday center fielder is going to be like Pache, who wasn't great last year. Um, You know, you have Drew Waters there, but he still hasn't played major league time. You have Acuna coming back off the um, injury. I I don't know if you want Adam Duvall as your everyday center fielder, uh, really. And then you're going to be getting Ozuna back. Um, you know, his, his, uh, legal issues have been figured out, uh, and he will be back, but if we're going to have a DH, he's most likely going to be your DH every day. So you probably want to look into an outfielder or two, but you know, the Braves are a really good team. And if they can answer these little questions out right after this deadline, I mean, they're definitely a team that has the talent to go back to back.
1: Yeah, there they're definitely a couple of free agent signings away. Freddie Freeman is the the key, I think. If if they bring Freddie Freeman back, this is your pencil this one in as your division winner. I mean, the Mets are the Mets. We'll we'll talk on them soon and all the, the moves they've made, but th- this team has been there, right? They they've done they've they've won the division, they've won the World Series already, which is something, you know, the Mets haven't even been to the playoffs since twenty fifteen. So Um, you know, I, I trust the Braves, especially if they bring Freeman back and and that's the right move, uh, to pay Freddie Freeman. If I, I, like you said, I can't see him, him going anywhere else. Um, but if he does, they have a big hole at first base and there are not really that many options behind and their prospect system is mostly graduated right now in terms of their impact prospects. Uh, so not, it's not like they're going to be paying up for, for Matt Olson or anything. Um, they might have to get creative at first base if they let Freddie walk, but I just I can't see that happening. They, they can't do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a, a thing if they're not able to get Freddie back and they don't pay up for Olson, which it was interested, interesting at least that, you know, I think it was last week or the week before. I believe it was Rosenthal. Maybe it was Heyman said that they had at least t- had preliminary talks on Matt Olson. Um, with the A's, so that's kind of interesting. But maybe it's the thing where they, if they're not able to get Freeman, they pivot to a guy like Anthony Rizzo uh, or something like that. But it, it, they it, they need to make Freddie Freeman a, a priority as soon as this lockout ends. And I mean, they need to do it within the first couple days after it ends. Just, just give him the sixth year, give him the money, and just get this done, to, done with, and, and move on. Uh, speaking of moving on, we'll jump to the second place team in this division. and That's the Philadelphia Phillies who finished at 82 and 86 and a half games back uh, in the division. Uh, if you look at the guys that they've lost this year, they've lost Andrew McCutcheon, uh, Archie Bradley, Hector Neris, Brad Miller, Freddie Galvis, uh, and Ian Kennedy are kind of the major league pieces they've lost. Uh, and then if you look at the guys who they've added, they've added Johan Camargo uh, and Corey Knebel so far
1: enables a good ad uh, they they the phillies have been des- in desperate need of bullpen help for a while now several years they just can't seem to find anyone that'll that'll come into that bullpen and lock things down you remember they tried to spend a ton of money on david robertson a while back that hasn't really worked they you know they had a and a realm of the offseason last year where they traded for jose alvarado and he ended up with a 4.20 ERA uh, i just don't know you know whether they're going to be able to fix those problems because it seems like those are uh, organizational flaws and deficiencies where the Phillies just can't seem to figure out their pitching staff, right? They, you know They've thrown money at the problem. Zach Wheeler's there. Aaron Nola's there, right? They got Kyle Gibson in a trade last year with the Rangers and it still seems like they are continuing to struggle with developing pitchers that are going to impact their team positively and push them over the top. They're wasting the prime of Bryce Harper right now, toiling away at figuring out a pitching staff. I, I just don't know if this, you know, Knable's a good start, but it was the Dodgers the secret sauce or was Corey Knable really fixed? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, they definitely need to improve that bullpen um, some more. And another thing, you know, why they've they've really struggled to develop the starting pitching at least is because they've had for the past couple of years one of the historically bad defenses in the game. Um, I mean, you know, before coming into twenty twenty one, their second base shortstop and center fielder I think combined for like the third worst up the middle defense of all time in major league baseball. It was God awful. They didn't do anything to fix second base. They didn't do anything to fix shortstop, and their center field situation has just got worse. So they really need to do something. I mean, and that's that's also with uh, Reese Hoskins and Alec Boehm, you know, on the corner of the infield as well, which neither one of them are good defensively at all. So they definitely need to try and figure out something to fix, you know, or at least start a fix on that defense. Get a, a, a defensive minded center fielder, even if he can't hit much. Get you know, probably have to move on from D.D. Gregorius, but there's probably a team that would take him for something and get some sort of a defensive shortstop in there, just something to help out defensively, because that's a one of the big issues. I mean, a guy like Kyle Gibson, he's a ground ball guy. He needs he needs a defen- defense defense that will pick him up, uh, and that's probably one of their issues with you know being able to develop starting pitching at least, uh, and, and even bullpen, but. You know, like you said, that bullpen they've they've thrown stuff at it and it has not worked. So they have to figure something out there.
1: I think you're absolutely right about that defense. I mean, just take a look at Aaron Nola's stats from last year: Um, eleven strikeouts per nine, under two walks per nine. Uh, You know, a three thirty seven FIP, an identical FIP to X FIP too. Like he wasn't getting hit around or anything, and then he had a four sixty three ERA out of nowhere. I mean, that is a, a run and a half higher almost. Than his FIP, I mean that's just wild that Aaron Nola was completely unable to get any help behind him because it was it's pretty clear he he's had one of his best years last year and his ERA was his second worst career ERA since like his first full season in the bigs that just doesn't make any sense uh, unless of course that defense is truly as awful as you say it is and I think I'm I'm right there with you I think I agree completely Segura is older Gregorius is a little bit older you know they got to part with one of those guys and. I don't know who it's going to be. Gregorius had a 270 batting average or 270 on base percentage last year. Segura was pretty good offensively, but neither of those guys are stealing bases anymore. You know, I don't know who's going to be trying to help the Phillies get better.
0: Yeah. I think it's basically going to have to be the Phillies kind of paying out. I think Segura or not Segura. I think Gregorius probably would be the easier one to trade just because I think he's only has one year left on his deal. If I'm not mistaken. Um, Maybe it's two, but he, he'd probably be the easier guy to trade if you ate some of that money. But, uh, he's got you know, one the, more
1: year. He signed a two year, $28 yeah. million dollar deal last offseason.
0: Yeah. So I, I think he would probably be the easier guy. And he's probably the guy who's been, you know, has been hurting you more. I think Sakura is still mm-hmm. decent enough offensively, um, to do something for your team. But, anyways, we'll, uh, we'll hit on them more for sure. Cause I, I, I think that they'll definitely be one of the more active teams once the, uh, the lockout ends, but let's jump. Let's not, well, let's
1: not leave the Phillies real quick before discussing that Bryce Harper is one of the best players in the game right now. Let's not gloss over that.
0: I I don't understand the Bryce Harper's overrated crowd at all. Like he is, he is, I think in my eyes, he might be even underrated for how good he really is. Like People think want to say like, "Oh, look at his 2015 year," and then look, he's not mm-hmm. that great of a, a media guy, and he has his moments and he has his blow ups. And I'm like, man, is still playing such a good thing, like such a good game right now. Like, I I don't understand the hate he gets.
1: Bryce Harper is at 43 career wins above replacement, and he's signed on for what 10 more years, I think, at this point. Um, Bryce has a real real good shot to be a rock like a rock solid first ballot Hall of Famer if he keeps up any sort of pace that he's currently on you know 420 OBP each of the last two years and he's his walk his eyes gotten better you know he's gotten more selective at the plate I, I his strikeout rates come down from when it was really high a couple of years early in his career. I, Bryce looks like just a, a superstar that the Phillies can absolutely build around. And I I think he's the guy to look out for in terms of having, maybe even taking a step up uh, because the Phillies need him to, they need him to be even better than he was last year. And he was an MVP caliber player last year.
0: Yeah. He just needs to get some help there. I mean, Rio Muto has been good, but they just have to do, they have to get him some sort of a, uh, you know, a, a, a co-star there. I, I know they probably wanted Reese Hoskins to be that. They probably wanted Alec Bohm to be that. But neither one of those guys have been able to show that you know they can stay healthy enough or that they're even good enough to do that. So they have the pitching staff. They have a guy like Bryce Harper. You have a probably one of the top three catchers in baseball and JT Realmuto. They got to figure something out. I mean, the team is they're not that far away from being a, a good contender but they're not that close to being one either it's they're right there in the middle but they could be one or two moves away because of the guy uh, you know having a guy like Bryce Harper on your team mm-hmm. but. let's now jump over to the New York Mets who finished at 77 and 85 11 and a half games back probably one of the more disappointing teams um you know of the year last year and then if you look at their their list of who they've lost so far this offseason it's it's pretty big and, and the, you know, they have been one of the more active teams, but uh, you know, losing Kevin Pillar, Michael Conforto, Javi Baez, Noah Syndergaard, Marcus Stroman, Aaron Loop, Jerry's Familia, Brad Hand, Jonathan VR, Batanzas, and Rich Hill is just the major league players that they've lost off their roster. Um, you know, and then guys like Javi Baez, Noah Syndergaard, Marcus Stroman, uh, and Aaron Loop have already signed other places. So they're definitely not bringing those guys back. And then if you look who they've added so far, uh, they added Nick Plummer, who's more of a, a prospect guy, but they did add him on a major league deal. So he will be battling for a spot at least. Uh, they've signed Mark Canna, Starley Marte, Edu- Eduardo Escobar, and Max Scherzer. Well,
1: no, there's, there's nothing wrong with their offseason so far. I think, you know, they, they lost a lot. Um, and I think the one mistake they've made so far was not keeping Marcus Stroman around. Um, he's, just a really he's already anchored their rotation the last couple of years because DeGrom's had some injuries Syndergaard's been in and out um, but Strowman's kind of been a rock for them the last couple of years and they kind of did him dirty at least according to Stroman uh, Max Scherzer though is a pretty decent addition I would say you know the several times Cy Young winner one of the best pitchers of our generation first ballot Hall of Famer like Scherzer's going to be still really good we we have no reason to believe he's going to fall off just yet Uh, Kana is extremely underrated. Starling Marte might be one of the best players in baseball uh, if he's healthy for a full season. And the Mets have a rock-solid prospect cash as well. I think Francisco Alvarez is like number five to number seven on every list right now, and they've got two or three more guys in the top 50. You know, They can make a trade to to add even more to this. This roster is going to be really good. It comes down to are the Mets going to – act like the Mets at some point and just completely collapse because that just tends to be what happens with them you know are they going to play Robinson Cano way too much you know do these signings not work out Eduardo Escobar a little bit risky of a guy doesn't really have a high on base percentage Uh, you know relies on that slugging he's a little risky does he just completely collapse Uh, you know they had a lot of their good young players not perform well last year including their big signing Francisco Lindor you know, Steve Cohen wants to take this roster to $300 million um, in terms of the, the projected value, and they still want to trade Dom Smith, JD, J.D. Davis, and Jeff McNeil and add more players. I just I don't know how that's going to work. I feel like it, there's no way it's going to have sustained success, but I look out for them. they got a good cache of prospects, and they've got a really strong roster right now.
0: Yeah, they really do. Uh, and if you know, you're kind of looking at what they need. I mean, they need another starter probably because, I mean, your top three are, are pretty good. Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer. Tywon Walker struggled a little bit more in the second half, but he's a pretty solid pitcher. Um, but Carrasco, you know, was not good last year. Tylor McGill, was his underlying stats were pretty decent, but, uh, you know, can he be a guy that you want as your number four in the rotation? Probably not. Uh, there has been rumors that they are interested in another significant starter. Um, once the lockout ends, but to me, what I think they need is get a depth starter and you really need to try and find two, two lefty bullpen arms and one be a high leverage, high impact guy, because if you look at their projected bullpen, as it stands right now, they have no lefties in the bullpen. Uh, and a guy, they lad Aaron loop, who was one of the best relievers and you know, what le- relievers, let alone left-handed relievers in baseball the past year he left. So they have to do something to get some left-handed relieving out of that bullpen, uh, and maybe that's in their trade with the, you know, the the Dom Smith, J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil deal. Um, but they they it does seem like they have a, a plethora of guys who can play the infield spots that they don't have enough room for. Uh, so they're going to have to figure something out there, but it's been a solid offseason, and you know Steve Cohen will throw all the money he needs to at this because uh, he's already shown that he'll do that.
1: For what it's worth, they did sign Alex Claudio uh, on in January as a minor league free agent. They signed Rob Sizrisny, left-hander from you know originally drafted by the Cubs. He'll Bless be you. there. They'll do. Um, <laughs> uh, and they got uh, Nate Fisher from Seattle as a free agent too. So they've stacked up some minor league options for those le- that left-handed arm in the bullpen. But if if you have dominant arms like Edwin Diaz, Trevor May, Seth Lugo. Miguel Castro is pretty good. Usually, you know, they, they, if, if they're just dominant arms in the bullpen, they'll have a lefty guy there, but I don't think they necessarily need like a dominant lefty guy. I mean, the Florida guys I just named all had ERAs under three, six last year, and they were all very good, very reliable and very healthy. And then that's the big keys that those guys are all, you know, you pencil them in, they're going to be in there for 60 to 70 innings guaranteed no matter what.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is a good point. I didn't see all of those minor league guys. Um, but I, I still think they need some sort of a, a higher leverage lefty. I mean, you see the matchup game being a thing nowadays. Um, it just kind of screams, I think, to me at least that they need one. But, I mean, Claudio, is, he is a funky guy that he can get hot on a run. You know, he's had he's been really good, but he's also been really bad. Um, but he could be a guy who, if he gets on that run and you figure something out with him this year, he might be that lefty that you uh, you know you need. But, uh, you know, let's jump over to the Miami Marlins now that were 67-95, half games back of this division. Um, you look at their loss list. They've lost Jorge Alfaro, Zach Thompson, uh, Sandy Leone, and Lewis Brinson. Uh, and then you look who they've added. Uh, they added Jacob Stallings, Joey Wendell, Lewis Head, and Avisael Garcia.
1: This team... uh, If I had to pick a team to surprise next year and, you know, to be clear, the the offseason is not over. I think the Marlins, at least from our viewings of rumors, the Marlins are still interested in adding, Uh, but they know it's their time. I think there's a wide open door to get into one of those wildcard spots, especially if the playoffs expand. Uh, The Marlins made it in 2020 with a roster that's much worse than this one is. They, you know, Jacob Stallings is really rock solid as a catcher defensively specifically and him receiving those pitchers which <laughs> the Marlins starting rotation might and <laughs> rival the Mets and the Braves as one of the best in the National League and it has the upside to be maybe the best in the National League. You know, Sandy Alcantara looks like an ace, throwing 100 miles an hour, 200 strikeouts last year. Trevor Rogers came out of nowhere and did he win the rookie of the year or was he second? Um... I might, think have to, think might have to check. Second. Well, let me check yeah. on that real quick. And then Pablo Lopez is absolutely rock solid. Very, very good starter. If those guys can all stay healthy, they've got the depth. They've got the prospects to make moves at the deadline. And they've got uh, Sixto Sanchez. He didn't pitch last year, but he's another guy who looked like an ace in 2020. Uh, you know, he wasn't healthy last year, but if he, he comes in and, and gives them a lot of innings, they've got Jesus Luzardo, who maybe they can figure out He's had some problems the last couple of years, but their bullpen was is always rock solid. Richard Blyer is maybe the most underrated pitcher in baseball, just because he doesn't get strikeouts. Um, but the guy throws funky, gets ground balls, and you know they've got Jazz Chisholm, Miguel Rojas gobbling everything up up the middle. You know they're adding power. They're adding Obviously, El Garcia for that reliability. Jesus Aguilar is very good. You know, I think they're at least they one, maybe one power outfielder, maybe a Nick Castellanos, maybe an Anthony Rizzo, maybe a Kyle Schwarber, away from being a, you know, a, a contender in this NL East.
0: Yeah. So uh, Trevor Rogers finished second to Jonathan India in the rookie of the year voting this year. Um, but yeah, this team. I mean, you mentioned that starting rotation. It is it is so deep, and you know they have mentioned maybe trading a guy like Eliza Hernandez, um, but then you are able to back it up with. A guy like Sixto Sanchez, if he's healthy, Edward Cabrera, if he's healthy, Max Mayer, who will probably reach the major leagues this year, um, you know. And then you have guys, you, you know. You're talking about outfield. They have a guy like JJ Blade, who could probably come out and be that center fielder that they've been looking for. Uh, and then if they're able to add another, you know, DH top slash corner outfield bat, if that's Nick Castellanos or Schwarber or uh, Michael Conforto, somebody like mm. that. Um, you know, to be another big bopper in that lineup as the guys like Jazz Chisholm develops, who I think he's going to be an absolute star. Uh, I am a big, big Jazz Chisholm fan. And, you know, if Brian Anderson, he had a little bit of a down year to start last year, and then he, you know, picked it up later on, you're getting a guy like Garrett Cooper, who has been really solid for you, but he just has been injured as well. Uh, the team is I really like the Marlins. I don't know if this is the year unless they make a couple of those bigger moves that we're talking about, but they're they're gonna be in contention really soon with that rotation and, and the younger stars that they have.
1: The Marlins can't let this go to waste, is my opinion here. The, you know, the way this team looks with that rotation, they've got a solid bullpen. Dylan Floro's been good since he uh since he went to the Dodgers. He's been really good. And then Anthony Bass has been good for a while now they've they've got all the pieces right they, they've fixed it all they've they've brought it all together every time you know I've watched you know my team play the Marlins I go who are all these guys that' are throwing 100 miles an hour coming out of the bullpen they've got something working it's just a matter of time before they get the offense where it needs to be to be able to contend and uh, pick up this pitching staff
0: absolutely they do well let's go ahead and jump over to the Washington Nationals who finished last in this division 65 and 97 uh twenty three and a half games back, although they did that was because they sort of hit the the rebuild button halfway through the year and traded uh, a bunch of people. But you look at who they've lost so far this off season, Alex Avila, Ryan Zimmerman, uh Jordy Mercer, and Gerardo Para. Uh and then who they've added, they've added Cesar Hernandez, and then they picked up a couple guys off waivers in Lucius Fox and Francisco Perez.
1: They also lost a guy by the name of Trey Turner. He's he's decent at baseball.
0: Well uh, the off season, at least. But <laughs> yeah, um, you know, they, they, they obviously they traded uh, Scherzer and, and Trey Turner at the deadline to the Dodgers. But, you know, at least for me, what the Nationals kind of just need to do is they need to be able to com- be able to fully commit to the rebuild and try and trade everyone that's not Juan Soto. Uh, you know, I doubt Corbin or Strasburg really have much you know, much value, but if you can get anything for them, I mean, I think you just kinda got to start with the young guys, uh, and let them go. You saw a little bit from Josiah Gray last year. He looked pretty decent. Um Kybert Ruiz looked really good after they got him in. They had you know, once they got Lane Thomas, he he played pretty good for them. Josh Bell's a guy who, you know, they probably need to try and flip as well. Um you see if you can get some or uh you know Carter Keeboom to develop if you can get Victor Robles to develop some more you know if you can get a guy like Andrew Stevenson to maybe play get some more maybe if he can develop I mean they're just kind of looking for guys who are able to to either contribute to them now and maybe in the future and if they can't if they're not going to be a long-term piece then you know try and move off of them if possible
1: The Nats are the <clears throat> The Nats are the, uh, the 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 cautionary tale for the Braves. You know, defending World Series champ on a high, they've got their player and right, and and so the the Nats coming off the World Series championship re-signed Strasburg. Now the downfall of the Nats was not re-signing Strasburg, but they did do that. But they also didn't re-sign Anthony Rendon. They let him walk, and. It seems like, you know, that that it wasn't really a problem, but that broke up the core to some degree because they lost that center of the lineup bat. They didn't replace it. They tried to patchwork it. And since then, they haven't been competitive in the slightest. Um, And I think that's, you know, very telling that the Braves could be just one piece away from ending up, you know, in two years like the Nats are right now. Now, the Nats have a much worse farm system than the Braves do, but it's not by much. And... I don't know how good Josiah Gray is just yet. You know, we, we would want to see him be good. Strasburg and Corbin, if they're able to stay healthy, the team will be okay. But they are several offensive breakouts away from being good. But they have a lot of young guys. Soto is 23 years old, which is absolutely wild. That guy is an animal at the plate. He is hit he a 465 OBP last year. I mean, he's the modern-day Barry Bonds-level player, maybe without the the obscene power. Uh, but that guy is the eye of, a, you know, Joey Votto at age 35 as, as a 23-year-old. He's going to be a, a stalwart of the game for a long time. And all those guys like Victor Robles, Kibum, they're all 24 years old. They're ending their age 25 season. I think there's still some developments some stuff left to come. They have a lot of really young guys. You know, Luis Garcia has been around for over a year, and he's 21. Yeah, it's
0: insane how good this team can really be. Um, If they're able to get, you know, in the future, at least if they're able to get some of these guys to develop, um, you know, you the problem that they're going to run into is that they're going to have to be able to put a competitive enough team around Soto soon or soon enough so that he will want to resign there, because if you don't show any improvement, you don't show that you have a future. Um, you know, a guy like when Soto is able to talk free agency, which I know that's only two to three years down the road, maybe, but
1: I don't know when is he actually a free 2025. agent? 2025. So, yeah, three more
0: years, three, three more years. Once he's yep. a, a free agent, three more years down the road, you got to show something to him or he will leave. Um, you know, it. Their whole thing, that has to be whatever they can do is just figure out what you can put around Soto to make this team look appealing enough that he wants to sign that Bryce Harper-ish deal to him. You know, he wants to sign that 13-10 to 13-year deal and commit to the Washington Nationals for the long haul. Or there will be plenty of other teams that will have a much better roster and be willing to pay him all the same. You you have to be able to value him and show him that, which you didn't with a guy like Bryce. Um, And Bryce, you kind of, Made bad betting with Bryce a little bit, and then that he wanted to leave. You weren't able to re-sign Rendon, and you re-signed Strasburg instead. Um, you know, you traded a guy like Trey Turner when you probably could have had him around for a long period of time, and that you know that's just pieces that you weren't able to bring back, and that it's not going to be a good look to Soto in Soto's eyes um, if this is the type of stuff that you continue to keep doing uh, to your star players
1: yeah and and luckily for them, it seems like you know one of those anchor pieces is in place, but they're very shallow at the fringes as well, and they don't really have any help coming in terms of known you know commodities. I worry that the nationals are going to be kind of in a rut for several years, and that may indeed lead to either a trade of Juan Soto or him le- leaving in free agency. Uh, because they there's a very difficult hole to climb out of for the Nationals, but you got the World Series. So at that point, yeah. you know it's fine. You, you hope Bon Soto stays around, and otherwise, you hope they trade him for a massive haul and start afresh.
0: Which honestly, that's something I could see them in 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 a year and a half to two years doing. I could see them committing to hey, we don't think he's going to resign here. Um, we don't know, we don't have the pieces. That's going to be a competitive team for long term. So why don't we go and get four, three or four really good prospects for him and see if we can kind of just jumpstart ourselves. But it, it does seem like they're getting ready, ready to head down that kind of like pirates type road of, Hey, we're going to, to commit fully to a rebuild and not, and be really bad for three or four years. Um, and I just, you know that will suck but also mike rizzo is one of the most aggressive gms when he gets money um so i wouldn't be surprised that they they are bad for maybe a year or two but then they go out to free agency and was like hey you're the best free agent out here we'll just sign you and then you're the best free agent out here and we're gonna resign you you know sign you and, and make those type of moves because that's something that they've done you know time and time again
1: the worrisome aspect of that for me is you you have to do that when you have the base Exactly Uh, of players. You can't just go out and willy nilly try to fix the roster, right? You have to build the fringes first, then you have to fix it with those, you know, complete it with those big free agent signings. It can't be two free agents because this is what the Phillies are, you know, two free agents, real Muto and Harper trying to fix a broken roster. It hasn't worked yet. So you can't be the Phillies.
0: Exactly. I mean, that is a really good point because that is exactly what the Phillies are at right now. Um, You know, you make a very good point there. I didn't even think about that until you said it. Uh, so hopefully they don't mess it up. Cause I feel like it's probably better when the, the team from the cap, you know, the nation's capital is, is probably pretty good. Cause I know they're not getting much out of the uh, football slash commanders right now. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way,
1: <laughs> it'll probably, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's getting announced tomorrow. It's okay. They'll, yeah. They won't hear it until tomorrow.
0: Yeah. So if you don't know, what we're referring to the, you know, the football team, Washington football team is obviously changing their name, but it kind of got spoiled by a helicopter view today going over the stadium where everything says like commanders around the stadium. So it's pretty funny that even they can't uh, they can't keep something like that a secret.
1: Well, but, that's the AL East. Uh, maybe you I know you want to do it or NL East. <laughs> you, <laughs> you screwed you me up too. on it. Um, yeah. All right. So who would be your pick? I think. And we've probably kind of you probably gauge it from our conversation. But, you know, who's your pick to win and who's your pick to surprise?
0: Uh, The surprise pick, I'm going to say the Marlins. I think that's kind of just the easy layup pick uh, just because I'm so high on that starting rotation. Like Sandy is he's such, you know, I think he's probably one of the top 10 young pitchers in baseball that. Or maybe even top five young pitchers in baseball. He has been really, really good the past couple of years. We've talked about him a lot on this episode or on this show, um, you know. But I, I think as of right now, the pick is still the Braves. Like they're the defending World Series champion. Um, you know, I'm betting wholeheartedly that they get something figured out with Freddie Freeman because they they're not going to let him go. Like they can't afford to let a guy like him go. Uh, so they're obviously the easy pick. But I mean, I don't know. You know what else the Phillies need to do, or what the Mets need to do to be able to jump to that. I I just don't. I think there's a clear gap there right now, unless you get, you know, these some of these guys play at the best of their abilities. Like can Marte, Starling Marte from the Mets, play up to his abilities? Can Eduardo Rodriguez play up there? Is Max Scherzer still going to be the same Max Scherzer? Are you going to get a turnaround from Francisco Lindor? You know. What are you gonna do or get from those other pieces like a Dom Smith, JD Davis, McNeil, if you trade them? And if you don't trade them, what are they gonna do for your team? So if I had to say the the pick right now, it's gonna be the Braves. Sneaky team, the Marlins, um, and then the Mets possibly if they can make some more uh some more moves around the fringes.
1: Interesting. I'll I'll make a concession that if the the offseason is not over and either the Mets or the Marlins can do enough to win the division in the off season and be my pick if the Mets add a any top tier player really they only need one but it's it's somebody reliable um you know they they probably aren't going to go get Carlos Correa right but you know i think Trevor Story to the Mets is maybe like you might want to pencil that one down and lock it in because it seems like Story's market is a lot less robust and they might be able to second to, base. Yeah. And, and then they might put him at second base or third base and they're probably going to try to trade McNeil. They're going to, tra- they're going to pull some trades. They might use those trades to, to trade for a young starting pitcher. The Mets, if the Mets, you know, make that work, they would be my pick, but it's, it's the Mets. Yeah. The Mets are always the joke. And it's the buck. So, Walter Mets. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Buck Walter is the manager too. <laughs> All right, the, the Mar- okay the Marlins can do enough. They have to spend money, uh, but the Braves are the base pick. The World Series champs—they, you know—but they have to—they have to sign Freddie Freeman. Everybody's got a caveat right now in order to win this division. I think it's up in the air between between those three teams. I don't think the Phillies have a chance. Even if the Phillies add something, I don't think they're close enough. The development just isn't there with the pitching. I don't know what the Phillies are going to do. I'm sorry, Phillies fans, but they are in just this horrible wormhole of being a 500 team that can't develop pitching. It's the the that's got to be the worst because either you want to be bad or you want to be really good. Phillies are just meh.
0: Yeah, like you don't want to be the team that's consistently hoping for a wild card berth. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to be that team. Like, oh, sure, we made the wild card, but you know what did we really get from it? And that's what I even in my other sports like. If we're not, if your team's not good enough to win, the you know World Series or the Super Bowl or whatever it is, then you should try to either make it that better or you need to not be good. Like just being in that that weird 500 zone, or we're gonna maybe complete for a playoffs. I never get that, Um, and that's exactly where the Phillies are. And you know they've they've committed big money to Harper, they've committed big money to Real Muto, they've committed big money to. Zach Wheeler, you're going to have to re-sign Aaron Nola. I don't know where your other big money's coming from. If you're a Phillies fan,
1: yeah, and so that that, that would take them out on Correa. That would take them out on, um, you know, the bigger outfielders. I think in this in this class, I, we'll see, man. The Phillies are the Phillies are a dangerous tale of you know whether to be good or not good. But at the end of the day, get in the playoff. Just get in it, because if you do. You have a chance to win. See Atlanta Braves 2021.
0: Yeah, I mean, they are they I think they were a better team than where they were playing anyways, though, and I'm not sure that, uh, you know, a team like the Phillies can be that like the the Braves had, you know, they started really slow. And then once they got in there, everyone kind of got hot and that's, you know, I'm not sure that you don't have everything around a guy like Harper. Like Harper can carry you for a little bit, but I don't think, you know, teams in the playoffs are not going to let Harper beat them. Mm. So you need other pieces around that can do that. And the Braves had that. They had an Austin Riley behind Freddie Freeman. They had a guy like Travis Darno that can still, you know, get some stuff. Danzy Swanson played really well. They they had Adam Duvall there who played really well as well. Like it, you have to have those pieces and the Phillies don't. So, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and they made great moves at the deadline, too. Brought in Soler, brought in who was the World Series MVP, brought in Eddie Rosario, who wasn't he, the NLCS MVP. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just making great moves, that's going to be the kicker to winning this division next year because there's more moves to be made. There's more baseball to be, you know, moves to be had. This isn't really a complete review, but a lot of time to go when who knows when the season's going to start. Yeah, who knows?
0: But... Uh, thank you, David, for for joining and co-hosting this episode with me. Since Matt was out, it was uh, it was a real pleasure to have you on, and you know, definitely we'll make sure to to get you on again, probably when Matt's here, so we can all three uh, be in here.
1: Sounds good. I'm, I'll be glad to do it. Uh, this is fun. I hope I wasn't too horrible, and uh, yeah, should be good. Hey,
0: you want to you want to shout out your Twitter so people can tell you how bad you actually were?
1: Yes, please tell me how terrible it was. I'm at dwest underscore underscore underscore.
0: Well, there it is. Go follow him on Twitter. Tell him how awful he was on this episode. So we'll make sure we never bring him back. But, uh, you know, once again, thank you for for coming to this, uh, helping me co host this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Batflip Podcast. And we'll catch you guys next week.